Hello, and welcome to Creator Crush, where we talk to amazing creators who make fantastic things that we can't get enough of. I'm Steven, joined as always by the wonderful Smash. And today on the show, we're happy to have actor, podcaster, and generally totally rad dude, Jeff Kanata, hanging with us today. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thanks. Uh, that is a delightful theme song. Isn't that pretty? That's that's a Ashley special. She picked that one out. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> that's really gets you in the mood to to talk about yourself <laughs> and all the yeah. things that you do. <laughs> so, Jeff, man, we have been fans for a really long time of yours. Um, following all your work from Totally Rad Show up to uh, most recently, like we have concerns and DLC and Slash Filmcast and newest, latest, best your show on Anchor mm. that I dug so much. I called in a few times. It was amazing. Had a blast. So you have been creating content for a very a good a good while now. Indeed, I have. Yeah. Yeah. Was totally rad show like that was back in like 2008. Was that your first foray into the the world of podcasting and stuff, or did you do things before that? Uh, it was the first podcast podcast. Yeah, uh, and that was 2007. We started March of 2007, so early 2007. And uh, there weren't too many podcasts at that point. Um, so, yeah, we were we were there not right at the beginning, but, you know, pretty close. And um, I had done digital content before that, but podcasts were, were relatively new. Uh, the idea of throwing them into an RSS and organizing them was relatively new. And ours was a video podcast, which was even newer at that point. So, um, yeah, I had done, um, you know, comedy shorts and sketches and stuff. I had a sketch comedy team called Very Angry Neighbors. And uh, we we were there uh, before YouTube. So it was like trying to figure out ways to get people to see our content online was, wasn't easy. There was Adam Films and there was, you know, make a website yourself and, and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's aging me, but <laughs> it's true. It's okay. You're not any older than us here. So this is all fine. <laughs> we're all in the same boat. We've all been around since before podcasting had a name. Right. What do we do? Um, no, that's that's great. So, on to like the acting thing. Like, walk me through. Like, Jeff as a kid, man. <laughs> you clear. You have you have a ton of really amazing interest, uh, geeky interest. Board games, movies, video games, the yeah. whole gamut. You just you live in that world. Is this is what? How? Where's your passion for that come from? Like, when you were when you were a kid, how'd you get into all that stuff? Uh, well, I was, you know, I was a nerd when nerd meant nerd, right? When it was a super embarrassing thing to be. And I remember hearing that word when I was a kid and it like made me break out in cold sweats and, and be scared because I knew it was a horrible thing to be. And, uh, I was embarrassed of it and I often got bullied because of it. I mean, it was, you know, it was a different world back then. Um, I don't know the genesis of the interest in genre stuff. I, I know that I was reading comic books very early. Um, I had a next door neighbor who was quite a bit older than me and he was a comic book collector and I was, I just idolized him and his comic book collection. And I only got to go over to his house like a couple of times cause you know, I was six and he was a teenager, so he did not want to hang out with me. But, um, I know that one of the first things I got, I wish I knew what age it was, but Marvel used to do a, uh, a subscription program where you would literally get comic books in the mail. And they would come in this brown paper wrapper. A single issue would come in the mail. And I know that I got subscriptions to Spider-Man, The Incredible Hulk, and Captain America as a kid. And I loved them. Um, and I was fascinated by, you know, I grew up 
in the age of the original Star Wars trilogy. I, I was obsessed with that stuff. And, you know, I was a kid of the 80s. So it was G.I. Joe and Transformers and Saturday morning cartoons. And so I think I just fell in love with genre stuff. And then that led to uh, science fiction novels. And um, I was I just lived in my imagination because I didn't really have friends. And uh, I found a lot of joy and solace in the imaginative worlds of fiction. So I, you know, I guess that's really where it, and then, and then the big thing, I guess, really is, um, my dad, who is a, uh, mechanical engineer brought home a computer, uh, in the days when no one had computers that uh, he brought home a TRS 80 model three, which is one of the very first home computers. And, uh, I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And I taught myself basic and my sister and I used to sit at the computer and, uh, there, at that time, there used to be programming uh, magazines that you could buy that would literally print programs in the back of them, just print them out on on a piece of uh, – because there was no internet, right? So y- you had a printed text of code, and my sister would sit next to me on the computer and read it out loud as I typed it in. She would say parentheses, apostrophe, you know, print screen, all that stuff, and we would type in basic code and then be able to play, you know, centipede or light cycles or whatever the very, very simplistic program was on the TRS-80. But that made me fall in love with, with computers and, and it was just all downhill from there. Oh, that's incredible. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember watching a video when I was in elementary school or something on computers and it was like before everyone had them and, and you it was the video was like, and you sit down with your book and you can type these things in and then before you know it, you're using a computer. And I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I don't know. I The first machine I had, I was like 10 and had a CD-ROM drive. So I was like, I skipped all the hard parts. <laughs> I yeah. just admire that your sister loved you enough to sit down and read through all that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I managed to con her into that, but it was, uh, yeah, I owe her I owe her a great debt. I will give you 10% of my Halloween candy if you sit here and do this with me. Right. Is no, she that's... older or younger than you? She's younger, so that probably okay. has something to do. Oh, oh, so she like adored you and okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I want to help my big brother do these things. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's super cool. So where did where did the interest in acting come in? Well, um uh, my my parents would tell you I was always a ham. Um <laughs> but uh I didn't ever think that could be a job. It didn't seem like a viable career option. It just didn't even occur to me that people do that for a living. I just felt like it was a thing that some anointed people end up doing and I never thought that that could be me. Um so I, I didn't even I wasn't interested in it. I didn't I didn't try to pursue it. And in high school, my senior year of high school, uh, I managed to get some friends. It was like the first year I actually had some friends. I got this job, this cool job, uh, working at the movie theater. And there was a cool group of people there that I started hanging out with. And all of them were in the drama club and or you know drama class, and they would audition for the school play. And I thought, well. They're all going to be at play rehearsal after school, and I won't have anybody to be with unless I'm also at play rehearsal. So I guess I'll audition for the school play as well. And we happen to be doing a play you may have heard of called Inherit the Wind, which is a play about the Scopes Monkey Trial, a very famous uh, trial in the 1930s uh, arguing the relevance of teaching evolution in schools. And it's a big – 
there's a big scene at the end where they have this um, this big uh, big trial and it's a big media circus and there's a a role of a guy who literally his entire role is like here we are down at the uh, down at the courthouse and they're walking in you know and I thought <laughs> I could do that you know I get to come to rehearsals I you know I audition for that part and it's just one little paragraph of lines I don't have to memorize anything I mean, it's simple I can do that I'll I'll do that. So I auditioned uh, with that role in mind, and uh, the acting teacher said, hey, I would actually like to cast you as the lead. Holy <laughs> crap. Yeah, that's unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I ended up playing Drummond, the lead in – or one of the two leads in uh, that play, and one of the main lawyers. And uh, that really was like the spark of, oh my gosh, I love this, and people think I'm okay at it. But still, I went to college as a computer science major, and my freshman year, um, I was taking computer science classes and calculus and all the stuff that you take for computer science, and I just happened to be going to a college that had a really strong acting program, and a, I actually had a conservatory program for acting inside it. Oh. Uh, it's UC Santa Barbara. It's a liberal arts college, but it has a... BFA program, a, a liberal or a um, conservatory program inside the liberal arts college. And so I had to take electives because I was, you know, getting a bachelor degree in computer science and I took an acting elective because I knew I liked it. And the teacher there said, uh, have you ever thought about doing this for a living? And I went, no. And he said, well, I think you could if you wanted to, oh, which wow. was kind of the worst thing he could have told me. Right. Because, um, then I had the, the tear filled, call with the parents saying, I want to change my major and I'm sorry, I don't want to let you down. I know you're paying for college, but uh, I want to be an actor. Uh, and uh, to my parents' credit, they said, uh, we totally support you and go for it. And so I changed my major to, to theater and got a BFA in acting and um, uh, threw away all my parents' money in college on a <laughs> useless degree. <laughs> I feel like out of the people we've talked to, that is such a typical story of all these creators. It's like, I went to college for this and I nah, didn't use it. Never use it, yeah. <laughs> I'm just using this now. Well, I, th I mean, honestly, the, the, the truth is I got a lot of wonderful experience. The, because it was a conservatory program, I basically just lived on stage for three years in college. And we did a play every quarter and I was casting a play every quarter and in addition to classes – and so I got a ton of actual experience being on stage in front of audiences. And that's really the most important thing if you actually want to be a performer or, or an actor is uh, to do it. And uh, to the credit of that program, I actually got to do it a, quite a lot. And, um, and I think that was valuable. But yeah, I mean, as far as a, a degree, no one has said, I, I would like to cast you as an actor, but do you have a, a degree in acting? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's uh, that's kind of what I expect. Yeah, there's a, there's an un, there's a cell for college that's really like there's an experience you need to get that's beyond the piece of paper uh, that we often discount. It's like maybe it's just getting together with other adults who are trying to figure out life and working through problems together. That's a big part of it. Absolutely. Yeah, I actually worked uh, my my senior year in college. I worked as a, a counselor, a student counselor for uh, the uh, um, College of Letters and Sciences. And um I gave many, many kids terrible advice, or at least <laughs> advice that their parents deemed terrible, which was, you know, I was advising freshmen coming in, and they were like, well, what major should I be? And I was like, it doesn't matter what major you're going to be. <laughs> it doesn't matter. 
you're just here to learn and grow and be. And their parents would be horrified. And I'd be like, it doesn't matter. Look at me. I'm like a good theater major. Who cares? <laughs> It makes me wonder how we're going to speak to our kids when the college time comes. It's like, I don't know what you should do, man. Just best of luck. Well, I mean, our kids, I have two kids now, uh, a two-year-old and a five-month-old. And uh, they're, you know, I I think we, we were talking about putting money away for their college. And I think, you know, there might not even be college when they're old enough to go that college may be a thing that only exists online or it, it just oh, can wow. completely be completely redefined in our lifetime. So who knows? Yeah. Ke- Kelly Colby wants to know if you ever sleep. <laughs> if I sleep? Yeah. Oh, with the two. No, 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 I do not. <laughs> Last night was a particularly bad one. In fact, uh, my five month old got up many, many times, but, uh, I have, um, evolved beyond sleep. Uh, <laughs> He's Batman. Which means that I I no longer have cognitive ability at all. I just sort of zombie my way through life. Yeah. <laughs> that I, is a question for parents. Steven's my brother-in-law. And when they had Sam, Stephanie and Steven went from being these really happy, uh, <laughs> drop-everything spontaneous people that could speak in full sentences. And I don't know if they've regained any of that yet. And Sam's... How old is Sam? He's three and a half now. We're yeah. still, still working on getting that human part back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you yeah, ever regain I, I the can... cognitive ability? <laughs> it, it, there's something wonderful slash sad about the fact that I, I don't even remember what life was like before kids. Like I can't <laughs> even. It seemed like we had a great time. I see pictures of us and we were smiling, <laughs> but I don't have any memory of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's and you kind of have to. I think that's an evolutionary defense mechanism for new parents. Is like the the inability to view yourself pre-children ever again it's it's yeah. so that you don't just roll over and quit yeah. <laughs> you, have to, yeah. you have to just go no this is the happiest time ever and it totally is <laughs> like to be fair it's it's the happiest time ever it's just a different happy yeah it's a different kind sure of well, sure I'll, I'll agree with what you said sure well, <laughs> I, I you know this is things lies we tell ourselves jeff come on right. yeah no I, I can't disagree with that i this is way better than you know traveling to provence and uh you know. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> way better taking my kid to preschool and having him cry as I leave. It's way better. <laughs> yeah. No, they get better at that. It's it's fine. We we just yeah. got there. Uh, it's, welcome to the dad podcast, everyone, and how we oh, talk about that. Need to dad it up in here. Yeah. yeah. No, it's out. it's easy to do. Trust me, we do it all the time. Speaking of, but but seriously though, speaking of kids, when is the Jeff Kanata How to Dad podcast coming? Because I'm I'm waiting. <laughs> uh, I I would not know how to tell people how to that. I'm, I'm barely scraping by day to day. <laughs> it's it's good to, you know, we can commiserate anytime you want. You know how to you know how to reach me. <laughs> yeah. So I do have a question. You were talking about how you kind of slipped into to acting versus mm. when you were in, you know, school and you kept saying you didn't have any friends, which is crushing and gutting by the way. Um but how does that go cuz I feel like I have a picture of somebody that says, yeah, I didn't really have friends. And I, I ordered comic books and brown bags and then go, <laughs> yeah, I'll get up on a stage and act like how I, I would be mortified. And I'm a super outgoing person. So I, how does that like, how does that connect? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I often think about that. And I, I have told my wife, she doesn't like me saying this, but I, I have often told her that um, my, my sincerest wish for my children is that they're wildly unpopular through their life because it, <laughs> It, it made me who I am, right? It is, yeah. uh, it, it, 
whatever defense mechanism that I found was shutting off the thing that made me worry about what people thought of me because right. I wasn't, I wasn't going to win on that score. Right. So I can get up in front of people and talk because they're going to laugh at me anyway. Might as well be in control of the laughter, right? Might as well be the one causing the laughs or causing them to listen uh, instead of being the, the object of ridicule. So I, I, I think that's a common thing. If you hear a lot of comedians talk like that. And I, I think that's probably true for me. I think that um, I was, you know, I was a small kid. I wasn't going to be the one that could defend myself physically. So I was going to defend myself intellectually and comedically. And I think that that led me into a feeling of, I can get up in front of people who cares. Huh? For sure. Yeah. I think Steven calls that the, the sarcasm muscle. It, mm. Yeah. It's the, uh, you sharpen your wit because that's all you really have is, is right. to defend yourself. Like it, it was, I had a similar high school situation, you know, until about <laughs> 11th grade when I just gave up and I just embraced the inner nerd. And yeah. I had just, you know, I completely quit. I was like, I'm not worried about these people anymore. And, and you, and I think that's a lot of people that end up doing the podcasting thing or sitting at their computer and making amazing things. Like a lot of people we talk to on this show, it's like you, you end up just finding yourself in that, in that loneliness to some degree, you know? Yeah. There, there's a, there is a very powerful thing when you realize, Oh, I don't need anybody else. I can just be me and mm -hmm. that's fine. And there's plenty of ways to turn inward and live happily. Uh, and I think that, I don't know. I, like I, I tell my wife, I think that that would be a very p positive thing for my kids. Uh, yeah. but you know, of course you don't wish anybody unhappiness, <laughs> but I feel like, you know, you, you weather that and you come out stronger on the other side of it. Yeah, you come out the other side stronger, and then you find your tribe of other weirdos who were in the same boat <laughs> as you. Like, high school's hard. College, you kind of find people that work a little bit better than you, or but with you. I just don't know if that's still the case now, right? Because yeah. nerd has become a, a cool yeah. thing, and I feel like the kids that get made fun of are the ones that don't play video games enough, right? The kids that get made <laughs> fun Fortnite of are... The coaches are making right? a bank. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what that landscape is like now. My kids are too young to have entered into it, so I don't have that perspective from the parent side either yet. So it's going to be interesting to see in the next several years when my kids do age into that what that's like. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, th I think it's. I think I um, sounds like we grew up in a very specific time where that could happen, and I you know it's pre-internet and um, pre-nerd is the new cool. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. This, I remember that Alex said that at an award show or something when you guys were getting an award. It's a five letter, five letter, five yeah. word speech. Yeah, Nerd that was that was our motto for for the Totally Rad Show, and we didn't realize how right we were. In fact, uh, you know, we we came up with Nerd is the new cool as, and we sold shirts with it on it and everything. But uh, and at that time, like two thousand seven, two thousand eight, it felt like this rallying cry, and now I feel like it's almost an admonition. <laughs> it's almost a. <laughs> It's almost it's almost embarrassing. It's almost sad uh, because yeah. uh, w we made it cool and we kind of screwed it up at the same time. I think it's cool and it, and it brought with it all the negative parts of stuff that's cool. Uh, we're the bullies now, and I was yeah. lots of gatekeeping. Yeah, it's un it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's a bummer with the with the, the Star Warses and the uh, the constant yeah. flurry of of Twitch streamers who get in trouble for horrible things they say. It's yeah. like, can we do better, guys? <laughs> like we were trying to be the the opposite side of this garbage. Yeah, we yeah. we weaponized uh, nerdiness somehow. <laughs> yeah, it's really sad. Stop it! But 
That's okay, because we're talking about things that aren't just devastatingly Sorry. sad. I brought the room you down. Didn't. I didn't mean to do that. You First no, I got it. It's a valid point. No, it's, no, no, no. You're great. No, it's positive. And, uh, and it's, it's a good thing to talk about. So, and hey, if you're a Twitch streamer and you're watching, be nice to people, man. Follow Even me. if you're, you're not a, a Twitch human streamer. Being, be nice. well, yeah, I, yeah, I was just, since we were in that category... You're making me qualify, Smash. What you doing? Unless you're a dad and you're talking to your kids and you're like, guys, I love you, but I hope you're fat until like 12th grade. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then so you, you can uh, develop your personality. <laughs> right. <laughs> then you do the she's all that and you take off your glasses and you're like, ha, look how attractive we I all, am now. We all know people that peaked in high school. Oh, you yeah. know, like the worst thing that could happen to you. Yeah, right? don't do that. Yeah. That's a bad move. So, man, um, I know we've talked about TRS a couple times. I would love to know the story of how you got involved with that, with uh, with Dan Trachtenberg and Alex Albrecht um, mm-hmm. at the time, because like that was that was super cool, man. I was following Alex because of Tech TV and then the, the Dignation stuff, and then um, saw you three guys together, and it was such a good chemistry you had. So, like, how did you guys meet and get that show off the ground? Well, we actually met playing Dungeons and Dragons, which is probably the best origin story we could have written if <laughs> we uh you know if we wanted to write one uh we had all had a common friend uh who worked at tech tv and um he and alex actually went to i think they went to a convention i don't think it was comic-con but they went to a convention and um they had got to talking about the fact that they always wanted to play dungeons and dragons but never had and they sent on an email to a bunch of people that they knew just peripherally that all had sort of geeky interests. I was one of those people on that email, and all of us responded that despite the fact that we had all grown up super nerdy, none of us had really played a d- campaign of D&D as kids, and we all wanted to as adults. And uh, so we convened, and we got a cool dungeon master who had been doing it for a long, long time, and we ended up playing in the offices of Tech TV at the time, <laughs> uh, G4. Actually, it was G4, not Tech TV. It was G4 at that point. But... Um, yeah, we met. We all played Dungeons and Dragons. I didn't know them at all. Uh, we met, and after the first session, it was really clear that we uh, could all hang out. Dan has a phrase that he used. I can't remember what it was, but he's, he, it was a phrase about how uh, something like uh, "I knew they were they we we it was one of us." We, you know, these guys were were like me. Uh, yeah. So, and then we started hanging out, and Alex was doing Dignation at the time, and. Dan was doing a show called Geek Drome, yeah. and Geek Drome was kind of ending. And as it was ending, Alex and I did a guest spot on Geek Drome just for fun, and it was a blast. And we were like, "Man, we've been hanging out, we've been having these nerdy conversations among ourselves, just you know, offline. And uh, we think it would be fun for an audience to be involved. Why not do a show?" And Alex was like, "Well, if we did a pilot, you know, I could show it to Revision Three, the people that were that were hosting Dignation, and see if they want to host it." So we put together a pilot of a uh, totally rad show. I brought along my, my buddy Steve Kinchelik, who I went to college with, uh, as a shooter editor. And um, we, we shot it in late 2006. We thought we were going to debut it in, at the end of 2006, and it ended up being not until March of 2017. Or 2017, 2007, excuse me. <laughs> what a uh, long wait. Yeah, yeah. Pardon me. Uh, time flies on the internet. <laughs> Um, it's, the, it's the sleep. Anyway, and uh, yeah, in Revision 3, we did it on Revision 3 for the next uh, seven and a half years. 
man, that was such a that was such a cool thing. Like your intros, I don't know where you guys came up with, or not your intros, but your uh, your spoofs. But I like yeah, they were intros. Yeah, they yeah. we we would uh, recreate a scene from a movie, but transpose. It's kind of hard to explain. We we spent many many hours trying to codify exactly what we were doing, and it, all for naught. But <laughs> basically, the idea was we would use the exact text of a scene from a movie, but transpose the setting and the situation into something else. Um, and the reason we did that was because one of the meetings, we would, we would get together for lunch and talk about doing the Totally Rad Show and what was the show going to be and how are we going to shoot it and what were we going to do. And we would meet for lunch. And at one of the lunches, uh, I think it was me. I want to say it was me, but I, I'm not 100% sure it was me. It's the kind of thing I would say, but I don't want to take credit for it. I think I said this illustrious meal represents the last of the petty cash uh, to the guys. And I don't know if you guys know that, but that's from Ghostbusters. Yep. And as we all got the reference and from that, we were like, man, isn't it crazy how we, we could say that in this context and it's, we all knew what we were talking about and it also means something for this context, but it also means something for the movie. And we thought, well, wouldn't it be fun to start every episode like that where we, it's like our movie knowledge infused into the real world and we weren't even aware of it. <laughs> and then it just sort of happened from there. the first one we did was, you know, pass me the whip. I'll throw you the idol. <laughs> and we did it with, you know, cool whip and an American idol DVD. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, and, and that's the kind of thing we would do. We did, and we did, I think we did a hundred of those or 200 of those. Oh like yeah. That. They got, they got elaborate too. I, I sent Ashley because yeah. I, I didn't, wasn't sure if she'd ever seen it, but your teen witch uh, spoof, <laughs> which I, that was the first, I think it might've been the first totally rad show where I was like, Stephanie, Get my wife. I was like, get in here and watch this because this is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. We and, like uh, yeah, you you sold that scene, man. You you pulled it <laughs> off. I w- I don't know if I could have well, done it, but it somehow was. that that will be on my gravestone. I don't know how. There'll be digital technology. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll have it just projected on there all the time. Remember this. That, Remember that was this the last one we did. Actually, that was the final. The last one we did was oh, top wow. that, and we thought it was appropriate because we can't top that. So yeah, no, <laughs> for yeah. sure, you definitely, you definitely couldn't. Yeah, and uh, and I remember the Total Recall two weeks was like super elaborate, like yeah. your ear came off and everything. I'm like, how did they do this kind of thing? This is incredible. So you had yeah. a such a good movie, top notch special effects master on that one. That was uh, Steve Kinchelik. He's uh, he was amazing. He uh, he really was a workhorse. He edited the show, shot the show, and did all the effects. And the turnaround was a day. Holy uh, he would do the effects for those. I mean, oftentimes, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how inside baseball you want to get on this stuff, but I, we would we would stay up. Sometimes we would go and start shooting on a Friday, and the show had to come out on the Monday, and we had no idea what the intro was going to be when we got, got there on Friday and we would talk and talk and talk and argue and argue and argue and stay up until midnight. Oh, this is this scene. No, no, no. How are we going to do it? No, we can't do that. It's dumb. We go, how are we going to do it? And, uh, so we, you know, we would finish in the wee hours of Friday and then Steve would have to edit the show, which was a huge undertaking in and of itself. We were doing that show on green screen before anybody was doing that mm-hmm. before there was like plug and play green screen tech. Like he, now it's trivial to do. You can do green screen in real time, but we had to like <laughs> figure it out. We had to figure out how to even do green screen in those days. No one sold them. We had to go to a specialty store and like build a green screen background. It was, it's ancient history, but, um, 
so he would do all the editing and the comping and he would put in all kinds of crazy stuff throughout the episodes and then also do those intros. It was, it was an insane amount of work and that's why he, he burned out in like two years uh, <laughs> and, and we had to get a new editor and stop doing the intros, quite frankly. <laughs> and Steve will be missed. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's super cool, man. I, I, that, that, that was definitely a, uh, a different time. You know. Did you guys? I, I have to ask because I think the most quotable movie on the planet is Jurassic Park. Were there any uh, of those uh, I in there? Faster. I think we Yay! did Must Go Faster. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think so. I don't. You have to. At this point, I'm, I don't, I'm gonna have to look now. I'm sure there. Yeah, we'll have to go back through the catalog. We'll, yeah. Go, yeah. Go for that smash. Go go dig through all the, the stuff. So, <laughs> talking about totally rad show and you the arguments um, and and having to figure out how to be creative with other people. Um, you do, you do solo shows and you have done group shows, uh, with different folks. How, how is that different for you? That experience of creating something by yourself versus creating something with others? Oh, I much prefer creating it with others. Uh, I definitely get something from the back and forth and, you know, more, more brains get more ideas and my stuff always gets better bouncing it off someone else. Um, I, I definitely love collaborating. I think that that is a uh, essential part of the creative process. I'm willing to do solo stuff and I enjoy it to a certain extent, but, uh, the juice of creativity comes in the interaction I find. Yeah, That's for cool. sure. For sure. So, and that probably goes hand in hand with, I know you do improv work. Or I've worked in improv troops mm. before. Like, so yeah. that sounds like that's probably a, a huge part of that is collaborating and bouncing back and forth. Oh yeah. Sand. Yeah. I mean, Im- improv is, uh, a bunch of people going in without any plan and then a plan emerging. It is, it is the most pure creative process I can imagine. I love it. When you walk into that, something like that is a complete noob. How, how terrifying is it? Are people generally supportive of, of new folks coming in going like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Do, do you expect a certain comedy back, backbone? Or is it just like, hope you do great. Let's get you in here. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the situation you're talking. Are you talking about a class or a performance? Uh, yeah, just like an improv group class, maybe. We could call it a class. Our classes yeah. tend to be very supportive. And yeah. uh, there's lots of intro classes. Certainly here in Los Angeles, there's you can't throw a rock without hitting an in- improv class. <laughs> but, um, I mean, they tend to be very supportive. It, but it is – there is it, – it's a very hard feeling getting into an improv with someone that doesn't work. I mean, it is a very horrible feeling when it doesn't work. But uh, – the, for as low as the lows are, the highs can be extremely high, and it's super fun when you're just creating something um, and it's all clicking. That's that's a great feeling, for sure. Was that was that something that when you and Anthony Carboni were doing, we have concerns. It always felt like you would tell the story and then like snap your fingers, and you guys were characters. Like, <laughs> it was it was the most incredible thing to listen to. Did you was that basically improv you were throwing out there, or did you have some of that scripted? It was not just basically improv. It was 100%. Wow, we had no wow. plan. We had absolutely no – we would barely look at the story before <laughs> starting and we just, we just would go. Uh, and we, the show wasn't really edited, uh, barely edited. Um, <laughs> it was that – what you heard is what we did in the room. Uh, we did it in real time. If, if it was a 20-minute episode, we would be there for 20 minutes and that was what you heard. So, yeah, I mean we just sort of clicked. You know, and, and there was a lot of – 
I mean, that show would be an impossible show to do like this uh, over the internet. We, we had to be sitting in the same room with one another. Um, there was something essential about making eye contact and being able to, you know, uh, cut each other off and, and the things that are difficult to do over VoIP. But um, yeah, I mean, it was it was completely a hundred percent improvised uh, show. Yeah, it was, and it was it was fantastic to listen to because it was. It, I I wasn't sure if it was ever scripted or not, but you guys seemed like it was just. You know, Anthony would drop into some character, and you would come back with the most outlandish voice and argue the <laughs> science story in just an amazing way. So, yeah, that show's missed, by the way. But I, I just you don't <laughs> missed have by to, me too. Yeah, you don't have to come back, but we we loved it. Just so you know, <laughs> you have fans. Well, I loved doing it. I mean, we we both <laughs> loved doing it. It, 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 it. I think I've never had more fun doing a show than that one. Um, uh, but we did 600 episodes, so yeah. it's you know there's oh, plenty wow. there. It's still available at wehaveconcerns.com if you want to listen. <laughs> Yeah, well, it that, blows my mind how people can do that so quickly with the, the improv. I've always wanted to take a class because I feel like it would make my brain bigger just having to respond and think that quickly. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't well, know that, the, I don't know how you guys do that. What you find is that thinking is what breaks it, right? <laughs> it's, oh. You know, and it, I don't mean to sound esoteric and weird, but it, it, you really – when it's going best, you get into a place where you're not really thinking. You're you're just listening and reacting, and uh, and when everybody is just listening and reacting, it, it becomes its own beast. It, it has a life <laughs> of its own. It doesn't. Uh, no one's forcing. It's like it's like a Ouija board, right? If everybody <laughs> is not moving it, is it moving on its own? I don't know. <laughs> you're just kind of along for the ride at that point you're just like well I'll just say stuff when it when it comes to mind and go you know yeah it's not enough yeah. time to, to get nobody's too in, nobody's trying to steer and I think that's the most important part if you're trying to steer you're usually hurting it uh, yeah because you're probably the one that if, you, if you're the, the steerer <laughs> if that is a word you're probably the, the one to be like no we do this which is the wrong thing exactly yeah if you decided what it's if you decided what it's about already then you're shutting down input from the other person or persons. Yeah. That sounds I would have gone like into a... that completely wrong because I would have <laughs> like, yeah, I would have done everything you just suggested not to do. Well, there's a, you know, there's definitely a tendency to want to be clever. Everybody wants to be clever. Yeah. I've definitely fallen into that trap many times of, Oh my God, I have the best idea. Let me see if I can force the group to do it. Uh, <laughs> instead of, you know, being present and, and open and going where the thing wants to go uh, and not trying to control it or be clever, just trying to be true and honest. And, you know, yeah. again, sounds that beautiful. <laughs> well, it sounds a little what, a hoity-toity or whatever. You're, you're safe. This is a safe space, Jeff. You could be oh, a hoity-toity oh, so as hoity-toity you have had lots of happy quotes that <laughs> subject needs to record. I'm keeping them. Yeah, this, this is good stuff. Uh, no, that that uh, I had a thought, and then it just vanished from my brain. I had something I was going to ask you about, but that's fine. Um, you haven't been sleeping either. Yeah, this is true, one hundred percent. There's no sleep going on here. So, um, one of my questions I had on on my list was so back to a little bit of dad stuff. Like we're both gamers, both movie watchers, vo- both people who love entertainment. At, and I, I struggle with when to introduce my son to Mario Brothers or video games entirely with all the research being done on screen time is bad and keep mm. your kids off video games. What 
What are you? What's your approach as someone who? I mean, you do this for a career, like review movies, review games, and yeah. stuff like that. When do you? When do you do something like that? This is probably more of a, a question for a small subset of people, but I'm I'm interested. Well, I'll, I'll let you know when I figure it out. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I I will tell you this: uh, we did zero screen time for the first two years of Jack's life. So you know, I'm I am fully embracing the hypocrite within. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Where you know I I love screens probably too much and I as you said make my living from them but um, I'm going to be very judicious about how my kids interpret them and not just because not just because of how I see it affecting my life which is not always positive I do feel a little obsessive compulsive about it I do feel a little addicted to it uh, but also because I think things are a little different now than when I was a kid. I think the kind of media that's available, even for young kids, is a little different than when I was a kid. And I don't want to be, you know, old guy, get off my lawn, but I also <laughs> think that there's a little, you know, there, the way things are designed to, uh, we, we were just talking about this on my gaming podcast DLC this week, the way things are designed to release dopamine and give you a constant feedback loop of, uh, you're doing great. You're doing great. You're doing great, which is not how the world works, right? Um, I worry that that conditions kids into expectations that are not realistic. I worry that the ADD barrage of stimuli that comes from the way stuff is composed now, the way cartoons are so much quicker than when I was a kid. Uh, I don't know. I, like I said, I, I don't want it to just be a generational, I'm out of touch and things aren't the way they were when I remember them kind of thing. But I, I do think there's something, I do think there's data there. And I think there is something real that has, uh, that I want to protect my kids from. Yeah. I, we just got finished watching uh, the Mr. Rogers documentary, which if you haven't seen, holy uh -huh. crap, it's the most yeah. beautiful thing I think I've ever seen in my life. And it makes me want to not just go back to what I remember, but go back to what Mr. Rogers remembers about <laughs> being a kid. Like, no like, like you, you start to wonder like, what, did we do anything right? Are we just, do we mm -hmm. just think we were right because it was different than today? Is this the plight of every adult who's ever, who's ever lived? They go back when I was a kid, you know, we had to muck stalls with our hands. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, there's a, there's like a pace, and a deliberate cadence uh, in Mr. Rogers that I think is absolutely gone from yeah. media. And uh, I, I don't know. I think there's something beautiful about patience and listening and not needing a new fast thing coming at you every few seconds. It's, you know, I, we try to emphasize books with my kids right now and, uh, and the screens will come, but, uh, I hope to they, that they come slowly and um, intermittently. I don't. I don't want it to be a constant in their lives. Yeah, sure. I mean, every picture I have of as me of five year old is me sitting in front of my Nintendo. <laughs> so yeah, it's like maybe, maybe my parents let me do pretty much anything, and I don't know if that was right. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. I'm the strict parent. Right. That's why I said I'm not going to be a hypocrite. But <laughs> Dad, I found your old albums. Um, <laughs> Every one of these, you have a controller in your hand. What was wrong with you? Yeah. You said you played outside. I did, I swear. Yeah. Yeah. I've had this conversation with people about the responsibility of um, developers and content creators and what their responsibility is for putting out games that they, like you said, they know trigger dopamine and they 
they keep popping up in your head, right? Is it the responsibility of the consumer or is it more of a responsibility of the um, the content creators? But I mean, they're trying to make money, so they want you to keep coming back, right? So right. Yeah. I feel like people that are a little younger than us are more bombarded than that than we were. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was just playing World of Warcraft the other night with my buddies, and we were trying to decide what, which dungeon we were going to do. And um, my friend was like, "I don't want to even do this one. Uh, it only drops two pieces of loot, so like three of us aren't going to get anything." And I went, <laughs> "I went. What about the fun that we have?" <laughs> I mean, are you doing it just for the the candy on the on the end of the stick? I, you know, that, I worry that, that that's the conditioning that we all subject ourselves to. You, Within the context of video games, and then applying that to the larger context of our of our world, I, I worry about that. trophies. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, yeah. I mean, we used to have that problem with WoW. It's like we the only time I ever played WoW for a long period of time because I'm like a obsessive. So it's like maybe two and a half weeks, and then I, if I miss a day or two, I'm like, eh, I don't need to play it right now. Like that's just yeah. the way my brain works. But the longest time I played was when I had a really good guild and there was like five people I loved and we would just go in and play. And I'm like, is this what WoW is supposed to be? Because I've missed this like the last four expansions. Is this about multiplayer? Is that what this is for? So no, that's super cool. No, but hey man, Jeff, this has been a great time. I know we told you we'd we'd get you back to your family and everything after about 30 to 45 minutes. And I want to be fair to you. Uh, but man, it's, and it's been wife. awesome. Yeah. And your, your family. <laughs> I think I've heard your little one back there in the background a couple times. Oh, like, oh. I apologize if you hear. Oh, yeah. No, it's fantastic. She's no, she's <laughs> wonderful. Your, your kids are wonderful. Every picture you post on Instagram, I was like, look at Jeff's kids. They're so cute. This oh, is thank great. You. Yeah. Yeah. You've got, you've got a wonderful, wonderful family. I love following you on, on, uh, the Instagram, Jeff Kanata. I love stalking you on the internet. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> Sorry. I know it sounds super weird, but you know. <laughs> We put it out there, there, so yeah, we're all we're all creators. We're all like, look at me, kind of, but don't look at me. I mean, be my friend. Yeah, it's such a weird place to be. Like, I don't want to be cocky, but it's been fun being with you guys. Thanks for. uh, I hope I I I feel like I we got dark, and I apologize if that's the case. But I had I had fun. No, 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 you're wonderful. Yeah, we come in here to to dig through your brains, and if your brains have those kinds of things on on your mind, then uh, that brains have that on your mind. It somewhere. Yeah, yeah. We've gone places on this show, Jeff. Don't you worry. <laughs> Not alone. We've gone into the darkness. Uh, but man, hey, is there anything you wanna you wanna promote or tell people about now that you're here? I want to give you a chance to tell people to go listen to your stuff or watch what you do. Well, you can hear me talk about video games on a show I mentioned called DLC. You can find that at five by five TV slash DLC. It's every week. And I do the slash filmcast talking about movies and TV shows. You can find that at slash filmcast.com. And I'm on Twitter at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Awesome, awesome. That sounds great. We got. Do we have one question? This quick. Which WoW faction do you typically play? Oh, for the Alliance, always. Right on. See, ha ha. Sorry, for we the had Alliance. To, we had to make sure to divide the chat quickly before you uh, you left. I'm totally I want Alliance too. I don't know what the Horde deal is, but whatever. My yeah. Ash is Horde, but we, we're still family, so it's fine. all right man well thank you so much for joining with us and uh and you have yourself a wonderful rest of your day you guys too thanks so much all right man huge thanks to jeff for coming out and spending some time with us today if you wanted to support him and what he does you can go uh support his podcast the various links that we will leave in the show notes uh 5x5.tv slash dlc is one of his main shows that you can go check out or google slash filmcast 
and uh, listen to them talk about movies there. It's great. Hey, if you like what we do here, there are a couple different ways you can help us out. The number one way is by reviewing the show on your podcast app of choice and telling your friends. Uh, there's no single better way to help the show. Email us uh, guest suggestions or even comments at creatorcrush at gmail.com, or you can just go to creatorcrush.com and put some comments on the website. Uh, you can also support things, all, all things Two Dorks with your dollars at twodorks.net slash tip, or by subscribing on Twitch, either with your money or Jeff Bezos's money. <laughs> either one works for us. Uh, next week... We will have Rachel Boreen from Ink Truffle on the show to talk about pottery and Yay. the magic that goes into making fantastic sculptures. I think we were supposed to, I said last time we were going to have her this week. I was wrong. We had Jeff instead, and it was wonderful. So uh, tune in next week, next Wednesday at our normal time, 9 p.m. Uh, on, uh, on Wednesdays uh, here at Two Dorks. You guys are the best, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye.